Common Ground Podcast, episode 36. We got Factor Chandelier here. Graham's your name, right? Graham, yep. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. How's your day been? Today's been great. Today's been great. Had a good studio day today. Oh, yeah. Recorded a new song. And, uh, you know, we did guitar, drums, like electronic drums. I did the drums and the sequence and the edits. Um, really vocals yeah i did everything today so it's all done it's it's like sitting all like mixed up and messy on my computer so i have to go home and like make or some sense it. of it and you know get a get get some levels figured out but no the session went really good good energy today so feeling good awesome so all our viewers if you guys didn't know factor chandelier is a producer mostly hip-hop hey mostly hip-hop yeah. like uh Left field, kind of indie hip hop. Yeah, um, based out of Saskatoon, your whole life. Grew yep, up. born and raised Saskatoon. Nice. Um, grew up on the north end. I've been living on, off just off Broadway, yeah. um, Buena Vista area for uh, twelve years now. Nice, that's awesome. So, yeah, and you've been you've been in the biz for quite a while, man. Eh? Like, yeah, yeah. I started when I was young, high school, doing DJ gigs, like yeah. later high school, like grade twelve, mixtapes, selling them. And I was always like into like doing the mixtapes, doing the collage, collage like sounds, like adding samples. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but uh, but then that just led to uh, you know production, and I, I ended up. I mean, I still DJ, I still do shows, but production's my main thing. Mm -hmm. So, about when did you like really start getting into production? About probably. My first like per production compilation. Okay, so I'll date this back. In Saskatoon, I used to own a record store called No Static Records. In, Where was that? It was on Idlewild, right beside Little Devil, Sardinia. It's in oh, that okay. strip mall, like across from Wendy's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me and a guy from who lives in Toronto now, his, and he goes by Moonshine. Okay. Um, he's a producer, rapper as well. I think now he's just mo more producer than rapper also. And he's living out in Toronto right now. He, he still makes great music. Uh, we got the idea to do a record store, and we kind of both just realized that the business side wasn't what we wanted to do as right. much as the music. Yeah. So we got out of that, and from there was pretty much... I made some connections to get on my first tour, which led to like a single release with yeah. an artist named AWOL1 from Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. His label heard it, and then, you know, we got a deal to do a record together, and then from there, it's basically just snowballed. Oh, yeah. Every, every year, just something, you know. Something new. Something new, and I don't know, It's it's been a long, it's been a long road, but I feel like it's like, you know, some artists get that, like, instant kind of bang, yeah. you know, I've been on that slow climb up, but, <laughs> but things have been, you know. You know on the grind, you've been really. Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. So like, you, how many how many projects would you say you've been a part of where you're like the executive producer on? Executive producer, not that many. Not that many, but like but main, like main beat producer. Main beat producer, like, because uh, I used to I used to run more of a record label named okay. Side Road Records, right? And so I would release everything on my own imprint. But one of the main things about the the imprint was I produced all the records. Yeah. So I was like the kind of like nucleus for the stuff so you know i produced a whole album and at that time i was like digging a lot sampling like finding loops yeah kind of doing more more like psychedelic like sample based stuff where it's kind of evolved now you know a lot of session players a lot more like everything's you know played a lot yeah. and just you know it's still sampled but i'm more sampling like myself doing keyboards and shit 
But uh, from there, you know, I did like, I probably did 20 records. Yeah. All like in that way. And I don't know, I might be near 40 releases at this point. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long, but it, but it started, you know, smaller, like hip hop, the music industry, everything was so much different. Right. Like 2000, like five or six, yeah, we're talking, yeah. you know, like I released things before that, but they were just, you know, kind of more DIY at home. They still are DIY at home, but you know, <laughs> so you'd say probably around 2005, 2006, that's where you're starting to get like more noticed being able yeah. to do some tracks for people and stuff. I was like working seasonally at that time. Yeah. So I did like, I cut grass in the summer. Nice. So, you know, it was like just starting to like see a residual, like where I could, you know, maybe, maybe make it a career. At right. least that was my goal. And then I would say around 2009, was when I've since then I've been uh, just strictly career musician producer like no job yeah. nothing that's awesome just like you know studio time I guess like I'll record some people sometimes um, for their own projects yeah. do, do like outside mixing and but my main focus is is doing you know albums yeah definitely yeah <laughs> and and you've got a few of those out on your own like mm -hmm. you've got how so you're you're saying probably about over 10 studio releases just on your own stuff mm -hmm. that you've had like features on hip-hop artists will jump in on some of the tracks and stuff like that yeah you? exactly part of it is the newer material is more instrumental yeah uh, than the older stuff was i'd maybe have an intro and an outro yeah. in like 2000 and i don't know let me just think of a release like 2010 i released the album called lost and graham okay and it was basically canadian and american there was actually there was a some European MCs on there too, but it was all um, features except for the last track, and uh, or that's not true. There's little interludes, but nowadays, full you know like full produced instrumentals. Yeah, trying to make it like a full listen, you know, start to end. Hell yeah! So you've got you kind of got. I noticed on the internet I was looking you up. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, Factoria got quite a bit of attention, eh? Yeah, so that was basically as I had been just going by Factor. Mm -hmm. And the name is cool, I like it, but there's also a funding agency in Canada named Factor. Okay. So that makes it more confusing. And then if you try to Google the word Factor, I mean Oh jeez. Mm -hmm. And so I, I you know, I made that name in high school before yeah. you know, I knew how people were gonna search music online. So it just became getting more and more confusing. So Factorio was the first time I switched my name to Factor Chandelier okay. officially. And it, uh, yeah, it did great. I, and I'm, I was lucky to be able to be main support with my homie Chesky, who owns the label that puts all this stuff out called Fake Four Inc. Right. And he's from New Haven, Connecticut. Me and him were main support for Astronautilus. And we did 70 shows across oh, the US, shit. Europe. <laughs> so we started East Coast. Yeah. Did basically New York, the whole East Coast, flew to the UK, did some shows, flew to like Central Europe, did some shows, flew to Seattle, did the West Coast, flew home for a couple days, and then did the Midwest. Yeah. And Dude. that was just such a huge opportunity because I had just released Factoria. Yeah. So I was like at the show selling vinyl, you know, like talking about my new album. Yeah. It, it was just great timing. How, how long did that tour go for? That was like... I was like three months because there was like a certain times where there would be like, like my, my lady came and met me in Seattle and we had like five days off before nice. the, but I wasn't really going to like fly from Amsterdam to Seattle and then fly back to Saskatoon just to turn around four days later and go back. So she came and met me and that kind of split up the tour a bit, but 
it was a grinder. It, it it pushed me to the limits of how many shows in a row I can do. I think, you know, I'm getting a little older now. I, I can't, you know, I can't be I can't be going every every night for more than a month. You know, right. like I like these ten days, two week kind of yeah, get in, get out. Yeah, exactly. Keep your stuff going. Um, Factoria, I was re- doing a little bit of reading. You talk about um, Silverwood Heights. And yes. Like, what What is the whole story behind that? So. In, I think it's 1913, this guy from Chicago named uh, Robert Glass came and he wanted to build an industrial city. So it was going to be called uh, the Magic City Factoria. And and the crazy part is, is I grew up on the north end and I would walk by this thing every day and it was a historic like city thing that talked about Factoria, talked about Factoria and then, you know. I was. I went back to my parents' house for dinner. I don't know what I was doing. Maybe I was like helping with something like the yard or whatever. And then I took my dog on a walk and I saw the sign again. And I was just like, I got it. Like this is the this is the title of the album. So I made. So basically, I, it was a concept album about building a city. Yeah. And you know, it, it at first it was supposed to be like psychedelic, like a city on space with like the inspiration of this story. And then I also liked how it tied into Saskatoon and like real Saskatoon history. Mm-hmm. Basically, the city didn't like there was there still is some ruins there today, but there was like a, there was like a bottling like soda company. Uh, there was a paper warehouse there. And in World War Two, I get like World War Two broke out at that time. So I guess the city couldn't get a power line, and then there was a bunch of disease that, like, kind of. Oh, yeah, it was. It's 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 a cool story to look up, you know. And uh, the album kind of runs like that. Like, starts off with like this industrial noises, like building. The topics of the songs are kind of like building, and then it it, it switches kind of negative at the end. Like, mm-hmm. it's the last instrumental is kind of like a desolate, like Mad Max almost situation. Oh, so that's crazy. And at that time, like Saskatoon would have been more. Just downtown, kind of like, yeah, it would have just basically yeah. just been a few bridges, I think. Well, yeah, exactly. If even that, yeah, it was what was Sutherland the first? Oh, I guess Sutherland, no, Sutherland was its own city, right? Yeah, Sutherland was its own. I'm just saying that for people that don't know, we're in Sutherland right yes. now, so <laughs> I haven't been over to this area in a while. <laughs> It's cool, though. I like it. Yeah, uh, the, you know, and the history is just uh, my parents own an antique store, yeah. so I always grew up, like, I guess, caring about it, or they always had a story about something, you right. know? It's like, this East Lake cabinet is, you know, brought in from Norway, and people did this, and it was on a ship that came through Halifax mm-hmm. or whatever, Pier 21, and you're just like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> it's kind of neat, you know, yeah, to have a story. Cool. Well, definitely, yeah. It, it gives more character when it has a story like that. Any any item, like an item or even music or videos, anything. Like yeah, that. something to relate, a little bit more relatable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. And how, how do you, do you find that, difficult to try and incorporate that into your production do you find that like something that you really got to focus on when you want to convey that emotion sometimes sometimes it helps because then you know you're not just like you have a parameter that you're you can kind of work in like if you want this to be like the death scene or a sad scene you can only do you know it it pushes you to do that whereas if you just don't know what you're making sometimes I mean, sometimes it's amazing, but yeah. like you end up with something that you didn't think you'd start with. Yeah, yeah, you're having a good day. Like I remember one time, I was 
I mean, this might be too much information, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So I was like, uh, I was making a beat, you know, I was like downstairs and my wife comes home from work and she just looks at me and she's like, wow, you were happy today. I was just like, delete. (laughs) It's just like cheesy. (laughs) She just like hated on me, but it, it was, it was cool because sometimes you just get in a zone. Like sometimes I'll go out to the to the backyard, get some fresh air, go up downstairs. I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, switch yeah, a bunch yeah. of stuff. Jeez. Uh, you're saying through your factorial project, you kind of did it almost as like a concept with a story behind yeah, it. Yeah, yep. Do you find when you're approaching projects, most of the time you have inspiration for a story or you can sometimes, like you're saying, you just sit down and you kind of feel it beats and it comes to you as you're doing it? Yeah, I would say I've done, that, I've done three, no, four concept albums in my life and I try to make like that's my main MO or like my goal for my career is to kind of make albums that you would listen to start to end like they're all their own kind of like artifact so like my new album Wisdom Teeth doesn't have like a direct concept like Factoria or my album before that Woke Up Alone were like heavy concept albums this one's just kind of a loose coming of age almost introspective album so that's why i thought the wisdom teeth you know everyone has their own experience with that some people get them out some people have them in like yeah. and i was supposed to get my wisdom teeth taken out like the day the album was supposed to come out but i postponed it now it's november i'm like so nervous about it it's like i'm all old and yeah. just nervous Jeez. but uh yeah so i don't know if that really answered the question but I don't know. No, I think yeah. I think I think it's it's good to approach every project differently so you just get some kind of new fresh frame of mind, you know, something something's going to spark, you know, new ideas, hopefully. Yeah. Um so you were you were producing for people back in mid 2000s. What was it like kind of before because producers back in the day in hip hop weren't getting as much recognition as finally they're kind of starting to get that now. Yeah, big people. Kind of producers like, are getting getting it out there a lot. Like Metro Boomin is a name that you, you throw his name on a track and everybody's like, "All right, Metro Boomin." Yeah, it's hot so, instantly, right, with yeah. the intro tagline. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And so, what was it like back then when producers weren't as like it wasn't uh, as common for people to shout it? their producer's name and be like this guy put this together for me yeah it's it's it it's changed a lot i remember the first like speaking back to that first demo i did with a wall one from la that kind of started everything like i met him on the road i had to like get a calling card to call la yeah. call his house set it up he recorded the song on a four track and then he sent me the physical four track tape so i had to go rent a four track <laughs> put the thing in and then dub the track excuse me, dub the tracks off and then, you know, get that mastered, then send that to vinyl. And we pressed like a seven inch of 45. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, just think about that process. Like yeah. get in the calling card, calling this dude, hoping he finishes the thing, sends the, the only version of it ever on four track. Like there's no backup oh, in the mail to Saskatoon. Oh, geez. So then, you know, I get it. I, like you got to find the right four tra- or uh, four dat, four track ADAT tape yeah. to, that fits, you know? And so it was definitely a uh, experience, experience to be able to have done at least a bit of that like yeah. guys from the 70s they're recording with tape right. and like getting like you know big you can't fuck up a take 
in a studio like that because it's like so expensive yeah. you know like nowadays better you can just yeah, yeah exactly you better knock it out well, geez, everybody's got a garage band at home they can just whip up a vocal part and send it over google drive and oh yeah it's crazy and you know like even the internal mic on a it just comes on the laptop and just the the program is free on the laptop yeah. like everyone has access to make beats like mm-hmm. If you can look at a grid and know where the kick and snare are going to hit, you can probably make a decent beat. I don't know. like, And that's where I find the art is like making the whole project and making people care about it or believe in it or, you know, it just have a different feeling. Like someone hears it and it's like, it doesn't sound like absolutely everything else that you hear. Right. Because I think that the, the, how easy it is for people to get programs, it's the same, you know, if you're lazy, you use the same sounds. Mm-hmm. But that's the same sounds that every person in the world has. So then everything starts sounding the same. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird time in the world, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think every generation has probably said that. But yeah, you it, people have access to everything. Like home studios, you there's no excuses. You can get plugins. You can get programs for like, like you can get you can go on a thing and pay monthly and use some of the best plugins you want. Like. It's crazy. Yeah. I wish I wish that was around when I was younger, but it's also cool because you I had the garage sale turntables, yeah. recorded it on tape and then did the pause tape to like make it loop, you know? It was mm-hmm. you had to, you know, but every every everybody like figures out a way in their time and mm-hmm. and that was what was cool is cuz you were so limited then you would just use the best parts maybe now you can like get all extravagant like 10 string layers or yeah. something you know <laughs> that's crazy um uh i was gonna there's something i had i had a question <laughs> um shit what was it oh okay yeah so you're saying how like everybody they all kind of everything kind of sounds the same when there's when there's such like a an influx of people making beats well i don't know if everything does sound the same everything could sound the same you know it's it's easier to it's easier to you know be able to be at a certain quality i think yeah Mm -hmm. um more or less i was thinking along the lines of if so what do you think of like uh there's a lot of producers out there right now that'll just post to youtube like drake type beat or, right or like young thug type beat and and French Montana or yeah. something yeah and they're just and like they, yeah. get, they get sales off that like people will what do you think of that kind of industry where people are like kind of copying what other artists producers have kind of done switching it up a little bit and just turning those out like it's a it's a whole formula yeah I I dig it um because what the guy who made the panda beat he it was just uh it was a SoundCloud beat, right? Yeah. I think it was like some, this type of beat, and then designer just yeah. did the like Grab. smash hit, you know. And I, I just wonder, was there? There's all these different stories about guys like that, and then just selling a beat or leasing, which I don't even necessarily understand yeah, what a lease I, I is. Yeah, seen that. Yeah. So like you're paying this guy what I don't know, but then someone just takes your beat and makes a million dollars, and you don't even know this guy. Like yeah. you just. I don't know. It's. I think there's good and bad. You just have to be a lot more careful. There's this DJ named DJ Payne One. He's from America. He does a lot of online, like just little videos and advice columns and things like that for producers because if you're just starting out and you have something good with the right person on it, you can definitely get taken advantage of very yeah. easily. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, if you don't like fight for your fight for your own property or whatever yeah you'll lose that all 
And if you're making like, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. if if you're making like a Drake type beat, yeah, it's not like you're a, a producer who's like has his own sound that you're. It doesn't matter if someone screws you over on one beat because you have a whole career. Whereas like maybe your Drake type beat was the best beat you'll make because you were just like. You made it thinking of Drake, and then this Drake imitation bought it and blew up, and then I don't know. Yeah. Actually, but if he can make it, he's talented. So I don't. It, it's a. That's true. Yeah. It's a very. It's a slippery game, you know. Yeah. That all you know. It's just so hard to make money. I think so. In art, in general, yeah. across the world, like everybody's just trying to get it how they can. Yeah, and so, so I think that's just a new age, and i'm maybe a little bit old to even know you know i've never made like a, I've, that was never my goal is to be like i'm making a drake type beat right you know i never because i just didn't yeah so you're more like i'm making beats for me that i want to put out and if people want to work on them hell yeah like, yeah and back in the day it was more like oh uh Nas used this drum break from this al green record so you would go to the record store, look for that record, and then you knew that whoever, like, Mob Deep, like, shook ones or something, you find that record and you're like, oh, this is how they did it. So I guess, in a way, it was just different. Yeah. Yeah. In this grappling age. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard, like, this age called the age of the amateurs, where there's so many people doing everything. Like, so many people making beats, for example, so many people making podcasts, mm -hmm. that it can almost be like an influx of too much and it floods the market, but the theory kind of is that the best will Brush always to the rise top. to the top. Yeah. And the fact that everybody has access to those resources, it kind of, also the theory follows that the better people will eventually rise to the top, whereas like... <clears throat> Yeah, access raises everyone's yeah. game, right? Yeah, yeah so and I, I think that's very interesting, and I think I agree with that. Yeah. You know? Because, yeah, when you, give, when you give people choice, like uh, like what we have with SoundCloud or what we have with uh, not so much YouTube, because YouTube's kind of shitty, but <laughs> uh, maybe more SoundCloud. When you give people the power, they, they choose what they like. Right. And yeah, they can repost it if they want or, like, you know, put it up, share it on their walls. Yeah. And so, like, you, you do that and... Obviously, the better quality stuff is going to hit with more people, and that's just it's so yeah, there's an influx of so much stuff, but it's those people that are listening to things they've never heard of before that actually care about like finding something new and putting that on. Like, it's it's a that's a whole new there's it's like a it could be like a career for someone just yeah. to find just to scour SoundCloud and just be like, all right, I like this. I'm going to put this on. Oh yeah. There's, there's probably so many of those people. Yeah. You, yeah. And A&R nowadays, you don't even necessarily, well, you obviously, yeah. You just check them out differently. Yeah. You see, you got, it does come down to always, you know, you got to see their show though. Yeah. They still got to be able to put on a good show. Yeah. How they interact with like a live presence. Mm -hmm. I think so. You can tell if somebody has star power. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you don't have to have star power to make it anymore, though. You can be a hard worker. You can. There's lots of different ways. But yes, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I've also heard that theory that there's no rock stars anymore. But right. you hear like Travis Scott, like not going to a thing because can't land his plane because the runway is not big enough or he yeah. needs like you know and you're just like okay there's these guys are, these like, guys are still rock no, stars Kanye's kind of a rock star still yeah. Kanye is definitely like he's 100% rock star Those bits yeah. and stuff on, on stage and just oh yeah he's yeah. a rock star I for sure yeah. updates his album after he releases it that's a pretty rock star movie. <laughs> yeah that was a dip that I'm was another thing that. though that was another thing to see an artist of that 
magnitude and caliber be, you know it's a new era you can drop your album and he's like is wolves cool he's like and then people are like change it so he like changes it yeah. it's crazy <laughs> like yeah. changes it yeah you couldn't do that before you'd have to have the records pressed up like thousands yeah. of them they'd be at distribution like a month before it even came out you know mm -hmm. this guy is like it's like an open source album yeah, yeah it's crazy there's still no physical for the life of Pablo is there I don't know that for sure but I don't I don't think so I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a whole debacle that a bunch of people pre-ordered oh my <laughs> for a physical God. and like nothing has come out <laughs> I'm still waiting on my Franco Ocean Endless right now oh yeah Jeez. I ordered that on vinyl I got the blonde on vinyl to, like last year or two years ago yeah. or whatever so that was a, that was a good one to get but yeah, yeah. Wouldn't uh, like the sound quality always be weird if there's never a digital, like a physical copy, and there's mm. only digital copies? Yeah, well, or, it has the potential to be anything at that point because this is it even official? On I don't know. Yeah, because he can always change it. You can always change it, and then if you don't put it out, no one downloads it, so no one owns it. It's just streaming. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, right now, yeah, I guess it would only be available through like Spotify and Apple Music and shit. The wonderful title. Well, yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like every time we bring up a streaming service, there's always that one person that says, "Yeah, but what about title?" Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're the kid. It's, yeah, it's always fun to remember. Remember well, the good old days. And supposedly they pay their artists the best, yeah. but I don't know that for sure. Yeah. It's it's yeah in the percentage game, I guess. Yeah, title has the best best payout, but. I always I think Bandcamp's got a better payout, that's for sure. Bandcamp's direct, so then PayPal's making some money off you, and so right. is Bandcamp, but I seriously, I like it. Especially it keeps track of your orders for you, you know, it, it, it gets the, you know, the margin of error is smaller on yeah. there. You know, you can print labels, it's like print labels, you just yeah. gotta buy the right labels, you're good to go. Sure, I guess I've never seen the other side of Bandcamp. I'm like, um, I'm constant, I do a monthly series on our blog called Bandcamp Crate Dig. Okay. I just go through like, posted, posted today, and I'll go like, 10 pages in and just sift through people's albums. That's tight. Like, like I've, I've only seen... That is tedious. <laughs> oh, shit. It fucking sucks sometimes. Um, but but uh, I've, I've only seen like the consumer side of it. So Bandcamp is pretty good on the other side of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Um, I think people are just scared of it because it's kind of like indie. Like just yeah. the, if you're not really like in the arts or don't look for music... I feel like people are like, ah, I already got, I already got fucking iTunes, yeah. so I don't. Why do I need to explore Bandcamp? It's like, what's your favorite streaming slash downloading service? I have Spotify, and uh, I, I like, I'm a huge supporter of Bandcamp. Yeah, just because, I mean, I like it. It's just direct. Um, but Spotify seems to be the best because you can get Spotify for artists, and then you could see all your like. I didn't really pay that much attention. <laughs> excuse me pay that much attention but now I can just see the algorithm so easy like this song is definitely doing a lot better than that song yeah I don't know you know I'm still trying to like figure it out figure it out you know because you obviously want to get on playlists and stuff like that but you know at a certain point all that stuff has to happen organically or it just seems so phony mm -hmm. well you, you still look at the analytics so even like on the 1103 Instagram I'm pretty sure all of us are, are go scroll through the analytics and like okay how, many, how much we got this week and you want you want to know like what stuff hits and what's the yeah best. and then you're like oh it's people outside of Saskatoon are catching on or mm -hmm. this is I think you know yeah yeah it's a, it's a weird, weird age we're living in where marketing is 
it's almost down to a science where it's like, okay, well, this oh, yeah. like, okay, this works, and we're in. Let's do it. Like, and and you just continue that process until it doesn't work, and then you find a new one. And it's just well, it's like Facebook; they get yeah. you into it, and then all of a sudden, it's like you get all these people. You work super hard, and like just shamelessly be like like my band page and it's like you like it and then you post something it's like 200 of your like 8,000 fr- friends or whatever f- fans have seen it I'm like what so now, and then you gotta pay them so I mean the, the jo- catch yeah the joke's on me man the joke's on me a scam. they are and now they got Instagram and then you don't see people's pictures as much oh, I don't know that algorithm's trash I don't like it what about this new V-Row I've been hearing about yeah I never checked it out I just saw a few people be like follow me no, I'm like, kind of scared to try it. I'm gonna wait till like you have to. I think. Yeah, because I, I never got Snapchat. So I mean, that's that's my age right now. You're hearing that right there. Well, Snapchat's even one of those that like is still waiting. Like they, like uh, there was that whole Kylie Jenner said she doesn't use Snapchat anymore, and they lost like a billion dollars. Oh my god. <laughs> That's how much influence these people got. Yeah. It's crazy. It's cr- yeah, influence. It's the age of the influencers. Like, everybody Jeez. has power if they've got enough followers. i got to think of my most famous friend and ask him to retweet my album. <laughs> there you go. If you're listening, famous guy. Yeah. Wisdom teeth. The most, the most common caption I think I've seen with, like, Vero posts is, like, I, I guess I'm on Vero now. Yeah, it, is this out. a thing? Is this going to stick it up? <laughs> yeah. I first heard of Vero through ads, and the ads for Vero were advertising that Vero doesn't have any ads, and I just, it was like, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh. I don't know about that's this. That's kind of weird. It does seem weird. But that's the thing. Everything starts out with no ads. Facebook yeah. started out with no ads. YouTube had no ads. And yeah, I mean, it would be tough if you own Facebook and people are showing you millions of dollars in your face. Yeah. The, yeah I mean, it's hard to say no. How do you, you know, how do you do it? So, yeah. so like, being a working musician is, like, a dream for, obviously, so many people. Yes. What? Do you have any, like, I guess, advice or a story about, like, how you were able to obtain that and maintain it? I think I think it's a lot more work than people think. Like, it's even, like, this is going to sound silly, but it's definitely work being on the road and, like, having to, like, be on and yeah. go out every night. And, like, what are you talking about? This sounds like the best. Yeah. Yeah, but it is. But, the, like, the hour or the three hours or four hours you got to wait from sound check to when you go on and just you're sitting in the green room in a dead club, wait two, three hours, people start showing up. And mm-hmm. kind of, it, it definitely, it, uh, you know, occupational hazards all over, you know, partying too much. But, you know, if you, if you really believe in the music, you can push through it. You can push through it pretty easily because it is ultimately... You work as hard as, you know, your success. Like, a lot of naturally talented people need to, you know, if they don't want to do the work, they need to find someone that's going to do it. Like, yeah. it just doesn't, you know, as as much as it seems like Migos is just huge. I mean, they've been working for a long time. They've been yeah. pr- putting out a lot of mixtapes and a lot of music before they, like, got really, like, pop level. And I think that goes it's across the board, you know. A lot of these guys... They might have a persona, but they're a lot of they're very professional. Very yeah. anyone that I've met that's like got some success. They're not super late for meetings. They're not missing shows. They don't miss a flight. They go to interviews. Like yeah, they're, there's like a lot of a lot of politics and stuff going on behind scenes. Or whatever. yes, definitely. And nobody nobody really sees. And it's so easy for people to be like, oh, that's like 
like say an uh, artist wants to take like a two month break and go I don't know vacation or something yeah just kind of for some sanity and how many how many people would be like oh you make all you do is make music like what do you do yeah you're always on vacation buddy yeah and it's just like well no there's a lot more to it you can't especially when you're not in the industry it's hard to know what's going on in the industry you know yeah and when you get bigger the stakes are higher so there's more stress because you're responsible for maybe five people on your team and those five people are depending on you to like get money to live Mm -hmm. so you know yeah they make your life easier but they also you know you gotta you gotta make that happen but then if you're not successful it's like what am i doing here like yourself in a rut yeah you're in a rut it's easy to get depressed so you know i think uh taking those breaks and just you know it's it's just like anything you know you learn you learn what you want and what you're willing to sacrifice versus like you know making actual money in the job like okay well i gotta pay my rent so i definitely have to take this gig i would like to just work on another beat today but you know i got to do this advertisement for this company like it's just reality but i mean that's the dream is just to have complete creative control at all times yeah, and true. and I've been lucky, you know, but I would just say getting your own things that like your own sound as far as music goes or like painting, you know, your own style, like you can be influenced, you can, you know, do collaborations and stuff like that. But if you have your own thing, if that does blow up, the longevity is going to be there oh, yeah. forever. You're going to you're you got a brand forever. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're like jumping around or. Like, you know, you just want to do this because it's popular, not because you actually like it. I mean, that would suck. Can you imagine if you just did, like, a, a hokey kind of joke song and that's what blew up and you had to make that for the rest of your life? Yeah, that's what you were known for? Yeah, it's like, oh, man. Jeez. Yeah, trend trend hopping, I guess, or bandwagoning, I guess. Like, it, it kind of, it can be fun while you're on it and while you're ahead of it, but that one moment you start missing, like, then, then you slip fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As soon as yeah, and one dumb little thing it, it, when you have that many people j- judging and watching everything you do, you know, like you get drunk, put something stupid on Instagram, you're like, oh, actually, I have like fifty thousand followers that just saw this. Like that wasn't that wasn't the tightest yeah, move. Cool. <laughs> have you ever it's found yourself? Yeah. They are. They are. Have you ever found yourself in a moment in your career where uh, you found like? in over your head like shit was going too fast and you were just like you need to slow down definitely yeah definitely had some you know when you're young it's just things look you know things seem like such a great idea you don't think about the consequences at all you know whether it's your health or just like a bad decision not that i've made like i'm not really trying to like be anyone's conscience or anything but there's definitely i could have taken a lot easier road a few times but you know nothing nothing that i directly can yeah. be like don't do this <laughs> um so so you do you have your own little studio chandelier mm-hmm. um you you're basically there every day then that's kind of like your chandelier studios i used to be night like 11 12 until like three in the morning oh, yeah. or else it would be like 10 and then maybe go get last call on broadway yeah like I, I kind of had this like, and that was something that w- stopped working for me when I got older. I used to have like a roommate. We used to party all, all like different roommates. I we used to party all the time. We used to uh, record late. People would be coming over to the house late. I'd be going out late, and then 
after I did all those shows, I don't know. I just, I kind of got burnt out and I started feeling more creativity in the morning when yeah. I got up. So now I'm like creative until my phone starts blowing up and then do basically work and then maybe like flush out a couple ideas and then it's like dinner time and then relax. either go out, or, you yeah. know, go to a show or else meet some friends or else, yeah, relax, yeah. kind of, you know, watch something on TV, make some like, make a nice dinner, like yeah. walk the dog, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of just chill out. Whereas it was kind of flipped before. Yeah. And me sleeping hours. Yeah. And I I don't regret it. Like, I don't regret it. What I did because it was, it was good for my artistic growth. But I think if I could have caught onto that a little earlier, maybe that would have been good. It's just healthier. Like it just seems like you're in the, like in the sun more, you know, it's easier to get to the gym. It's like easier to do all stuff like that. Whereas, like you know, I've had two beer and it's like midnight. Like, there's only there's only so many things you can do. For sure. Yeah, true. So, how long have you had that uh, studio set up then? Like ten years. Ten years. Yeah. So I uh, I bought this house. Me and my wife bought this house twelve years ago, and it was an unfinished basement. So we finished the basement, and I built uh, my studio and built it extra thick like insulation on the roof and on the walls and then I have a little like it's a humble studio I have a vocal booth good mic and then I have my keyboards and my like station with my machine and everything and then my turntables and then there's kind of like a writing area so it's great for recording like guitar or like guitar and bass or strings or horns but you know to record a full band it's not ideal but that's not what I do you know so it's kind of it's great for rap rap like vocals beat got like you know good speakers bangs down there can be pretty loud but it's you know it's in my house still so it is pretty like i don't it that's why i don't open it up too much for just anyone can get studio time i kind of keep it a little bit more in the circle so how how many artists do you think you get do that do come through Mm -hmm. working on their own kind of stuff Uh, right now i have about I'm mixing a record for somebody in Savannah, Georgia, so they don't come over to the house, but they email me all the files. I'm mixing that. Um, I'm recording it like an indie, kind of indie rock, folky thing for someone else, mixing that as well. Doing my own production, and I'm working with Kay. Yeah. And then I take um, work for higher gigs. Right. So that pretty much... Like if I do one 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 day a week with like K or whatever, and then one day a month with like the folk rock, and then you know I do my own things two days. It's kind of like I got a little schedule. Yeah, spread it out very nice. But I don't, I don't, you know, that's not something I want to be doing is recording other people's stuff all the yeah, time. That's yeah. for friends and for you know I believe if I believe in the project and you know I have the time to do it, I definitely am more than happy to to take those gigs. But it's it's nothing I would want to be like promoting like. Hey, YXE yeah. Mix and Master Studio with Factor Chandelier. Yeah. That's, that's not what I'm gonna. No, you're not. You're not gonna see me doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Word. Um, so you. Uh, so Fake Four. That's like kind of like a label that you're a part of. Yeah. So it's an indie label from New Haven, Connecticut, started by Chesky Ramos and his brother David. And Chesky, he's a great solo artist. I produced his last record, Broken Bone Ballads, and he really. I mean, he's the man. He's he's the best. So, 
and he's a t- tight artist. Like he's touring right now. He's on his way to South by Southwest. You guys should check that out when you're out there. The Fake Four Showcase. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you guys the info and I'll uh, pass you on to Chesky too. You know, so you can at least that'd be crazy. Yeah. Say what's up to him. He he's he's a really good guy. Really talented. You gotta watch his set. And like I produced probably most of it too so that that helps yeah. not helps that's like another <laughs> incentive yeah. it's another incentive yeah. to go check it it's a bonus <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah so he man he's just a visionary he like yeah. he 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 collected there's a few canadian artists on the label but a lot of it's american and there's like guys in seattle there's guys in la there's guys in san antonio there's so he's kind of made this network of i guess weirdos but kind of like you know talented yeah underground but experimental kind of music so and that's you know that's kind of where i fit in i'm a little bit more in the hip-hop as weird as it is you know my stuff is pretty hip-hoppy yeah because some of it's you know way out there but he's got a great ear yeah and he he gets a very diverse roster of artists that they really work together so is that how who you were touring with over this uh yes just this past month i guess Yeah. yeah so it was me and him did our set together, and then this girl, Samus, she's from upstate New York, and if anybody has not heard of her, she is definitely a must-check. Yeah. Awesome. Samus, S-A-M-U-S? S-A-M-M-U-S. And she crushes the live show every night. Very interesting songs, dope flow, um, rising star, like... Right after our tour, she went to the UK, and then right after the UK, she flew to Minneapolis. You know, it's like... Shit. It's cool. It's cool when your friends are working. You yeah, know, you're yeah. like, she's yes. like a, she's a rapper, rapper, full, full rapper, female rapper guy. producer. Yeah, female rapper producer. You know, she just murks anyone on the mic. She's sick. Nice. Great singer, good voice. Like, um, and she was hella cool to tour with. This last tour was so it was so nice to be with the group. Um, Chesky and me, Samus, and then a guy Eric who is from. San Antonio moved to Seattle. He's in a group called Huron, and they're from Seattle Instrumental Group, and they ki- they killed it. They opened the show every night, like beats, did live MPC stuff. Then Samus would go on, and then me and Chesky did our thing. And if for people that don't know Chesky, it might sound horrible, but he does acoustic like folk punk and rap stuff mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like a good combo yeah, but he absolutely crushes it folk yeah. punk rap yeah and it's that's an interesting genre yeah it's I'm very I'm word on it but it sounds <laughs> yeah you got it you got you just got to hear it you know yeah. it's it's like his lyrics and his uh sensibility and he is you, you can't mess with his raps like he's so technically advanced so it's cool it, it's great touring with him and i just have nothing but positive things to say about all those people you know it's it's great it's great when you like not that I've really been on that many bad tours but sometimes there's the two guys or the guy and the girl or the manager and the opening act butt heads and you're just like every day there's just yeah you're just like there's something I'm like I know you don't like him you don't have to tell me that again (laughs) yeah even though it's not personal it's just bad vibes yeah because you're you're like okay just, yeah, just everyone chill. Leave me alone. We got an eight-hour drive. <laughs> let's let's just get through this. <laughs> yeah, I drank a little too much last night. I'm a little. I don't have, have coffee. Ever, have there ever been any like moments on the road where you had like a breakdown or a layover that went way too long or any memorable well horror stories from the road? I definitely have tons of those. I don't know if I've really broken down that crazy. I usually keep pretty as cool as I can. 
Not like a, you well, know. I think he meant about a vehicle. Oh, <laughs> not not mental breakdowns. <laughs> Either <Yeah>. or. <laughs> I get, um. Mm, yeah, like uh, we we had some issues with the law before. Like we got pulled over in Utah, and like that did not end well. Um. Not a lot. There's there's been some van issues, like some part on the van we were driving from here to Vancouver and in Kamloops, like the van stopped being able to accelerate up oh, up hills and we're That's in Kamloops. Yeah. So you can't get there. So luckily this guy like pulled off at like five kilometers an hour. He's driving, we rolled into an auto body place and they ended up taking the part off one of their trucks. Or uh, Sprinter vans, put it in the in ours, sent us on our way, and they ordered the part and put it in theirs. Like they really hooked oh, us wow. up. It was re- nice. it was cool. So I think when you're a touring musician, sometimes I mean, you hear these horror stories. I hear so many horror stories of pe- about people's vans getting broken into and like losing all their gear oh, and their hard drives. And Andy Schaff was in UK. Yes, yeah. exactly. And you see those, and you're like, Andy's like the nicest guy. Yeah. Like he doesn't. <laughs> Who's stealing his guitar and like all this vintage keyboards yeah. and like stuff you can't really just replace yeah. at Long and McQuaid that easily. Like yeah. you got those are hard to find some of those pieces. So Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that would just be a bummer. That would just be the <laughs> that would be the worst. I had a terrible plane layover. I I knew this tour, this last tour went so smooth. Yeah. I was like, something's gotta go wrong. And I, I hate that I think like that sometimes because <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Too much anxiety. Yeah, too much anxiety. Uh, and it, uh, I just had the worst layover you can have on the way home. Like I had like, you know, 24 hours in the airport, but oh. it was like, I didn't even care because the tour went so smooth, yeah. you know, like I was like, was like ah, whatever. got home at like four in the morning. It's like, oh, what, are you, what are your tips for passing time on a layover? I pace around a lot and then I get slightly sweaty and then I go to the <laughs> massaging chair. Yeah. Um, Definitely get a meal, like break your meal up, you know, maybe get your starter an hour later you get like the other thing. <laughs> nice. If the, if you, I mean, it's so easy now, even with your phone, you can just watch Netflix. I think yeah, I watched yeah. a whole entire series yeah. when I was waiting. Like I, I, I watched, like I knocked out a whole entire first season of something. What I can't even remember, but what have you, what have you been watching on Netflix right now? I'm kind of on just like a dumb out mode watching Bob's Burgers. Oh, shit. Me too, man. Bob's Burgers is tight. Very good. I saw an episode today, too, actually. It's it's so funny. Um, Did you ever watch watch Archer then? Yeah, Archer is great. Same same voice actor. Same writers, I feel like. It could be. Especially like the one guy's delivery is just so classic. Because he was in the home movies before that. I'm not... I'm pretty. I love cartoons, but I, I don't stay up on them that much. But the other one, which is obvious, is BoJack, is super oh, yeah. good too. Yeah, you know, and those are all just. I rewatched The Office. Oh, yeah. um, what's something else that I've been into? Oh, the Defiant ones. Did you see that with uh, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre? I don't know. So it's a series, and yeah. basically they go from their beginnings yeah. to selling beats to Apple right. for a billion dollars. So they like show, it's so cool because Jimmy Iovine used to be a record producer and he's in the studio with like Bruce Springsteen, like who else is he? Stevie Nicks. Like he's recording all these yeah. famous people and he, and it's just, he, I, I, that's a must watch. Okay. I think if you're, if you're at all into the music industry, that is just such a cool, 
and it goes by super quick. I think it's like four episodes. Oh, what yeah. was that one called again? Defiant Ones. Defiant Ones. Interesting. Cool. And it's I think it's HBO. I, it's not on Netflix. Not on Netflix. But so I'll need to somehow watch it online for free. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we I, we we had like a cable package whenever like, yeah. and it just came out. I was like, yes. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm I'm trying to see the. The Birdman juvenile, like uh, Cash Money baby, oh, uh, number one stunner guy from from the label that runs it. You know, uh, he just came. They just came out with a documentary on him. Oh, no way, that would be interesting. So, documentary about Birdman. Yeah. Wow. Damn. So you know, it probably so that's that's what I've been trying to watch. I haven't seen that yet. I don't know. There's so much good stuff oh, out yeah. now. Like, yeah, that'd be a long tail. I wonder how far, like how how. Far they come into the present with that too. Like what's going on there right now? Who knows? They've got, they've got him and Little Wayne, or maybe that maybe they're still beefing. Maybe they're not. I don't know. Who knows what's going on there? Hey, wait, is he, Young Thug is on Cash Money, right? No, he's not. No, not anymore. Uh, but he was because he was Rich Gang. Like, he was Rich Gang yeah, with Birdman, yeah. and then so he must have been on Cash Money. I don't I think he's on QC uh, with like. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Is Rich Gang after YM Young Money Cash Money split? And then I think it was probably right around the time when like Wayne and him were having problems. Birdman was down with like uh, what's what's uh, Rich Homie Kwan yeah. and Young Thug. I don't know much about the like any sort of details. I mean, I think I read them on the internet, but they left my mind pretty quick on what, what those guys are beefing about or whatever. I don't I don't really care about that, oh, but yeah. I I like I like their I, love, I always liked the Hot Boys and I loved Cash Money when I was yeah. young, you know. They well, they were doing a, I was such a Cash Money fan. Yeah. yeah. I like the even though I like the whole albums though. Mm-hmm. When they came out the Yes. Yeah, those are great. That one really cool. You can make my bed. Was that Drake? Bed rock? That? Yeah. It was cool that like Drake was on it. But half those guys didn't even come out with like little twister and. You know, oh yeah, who like, knows? Like, yeah, that was a posse cut, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, you know those guys were, but like Little Wayne's been releasing records since he was like fourteen yeah. or something. Little like, Wayne is a yeah, he's a god. Yeah, he he. I mean, he revolutionized a lot of modern rap. I mean, a lot of it has to do with him. Yeah. Well, the whole like. You could almost say the whole mixtape idea either came from him and around maybe like 50 Cent kind of hit. hit their yeah, that, that timing right there, you know, it was just on it. Yeah. Just start pumping out. Everybody's like, free music? What? Yeah, exactly. That was the start of all this. Yeah, free music, free mixtapes. <laughs> it's like, you got to get your name out there somehow. Yeah, revolutionizing the game, these yeah. guys. That's yeah. You got to be that visionary. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Well, I guess we can start talking about your album a little bit more. Yes. want to get into some of the tracks. Like, uh, I, I personally love Night Drivers. That's fucking... Thank you. Hits. I love that shit. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's the instrumental. That's... I'm, I'm at odds. I want to do a video for that one. Yeah. So sure. that's hopefully going to be the next video. Oh, <laughs> well, maybe there's some ideas floating around. Yeah. <laughs> so that one's hype and that, that would be cool. Um, people are liking, I'm also thinking like Kay moved back here. He was living in Victoria. So the Crimson and Cali jam might get a video, you know, right now. So my main concentration, 24th, I'm doing the CD release yeah. party at Amigos. So if you're in Saskatoon, you got to come to Amigos on the 24th. Got some special guests coming in. I would say 90% Kirby dominant. Paranoid Castle is going to be there. Me and Kay got a bunch of new music plus our Seven Vessel stuff. Nolto, Crab Style, Stone Cold Party Rockers are doing doing the, the music all night. And uh, 
It's going to be a good lineup. I, I haven't played. I played Amigos. I did, we headlined the the Arrested Development Slip Quality after party. We played on the main stage at Jazz Fest, and then we headlined the after party the same night. But before that, I don't know. It's been a couple of years since I played Amigos, and I was like steady once, uh, twice a year at Amigos. I play. I've done a lot of shows throughout my career there, so I'm psyched to get back. I'm, yeah. psyched, I'm psyched to play it, and you know, it's good. Like, I went there for lunch and whatever. Saw that. Saw, saw my buddy, the manager. He's like, "Man, we get a show." I'm like, "Yes, it's gonna be. It's gonna be fun." So, yeah, Amigos is pretty cool. Amigos has been getting uh, recognition in like media sources that like uh, Nardwar. Oh yeah. Like, uh, Mac DeMarco interview with Nardwar. Nardwar's like, "So you played like the famous Amigos in Saskatoon?" And Mac DeMarco's like, "Yeah, I did." Yeah, <laughs> well, crazy. <laughs> that's the thing. It gets up in those best venues in yeah. the country. You yeah. get it on CBC's list or whatever the lists they're on. And I agree with it. I mean, it's it's a classic yeah. venue, and there's been so many bands play there at good, like right before they blew up yeah. you know sold out amigos on and pr they probably at that time were selling out their whole tour yeah. but it was just that it's that size where that like transition period yeah so you're just like you just ramp into it and it's like two i think 250 or 220 capacity yeah so if that's full the energy is crazy yeah because i think yeah that was mac demarco was like he was he should have been in O'Brien's already. Like, oh yeah, exactly. Amigos. Like it was that close. I remember that because I got I got a friend, one of my close friends is really good friends with him. So I, I've actually been able to hang out with Mac DeMarco. Oh, yeah, he's he like is he super a, funny yeah, man, and, he, and he's just he's definitely you know at, he we went to like we went to a show and then we went to a party after and yeah him and his band they're pretty funny like they're. They're definitely on the practical jokes and yeah. shit. They're pretty, pretty hilarious guys. Yeah, yeah. Back to wisdom teeth. Like, yeah. So, so you're working on getting some videos out for some of them songs. Um, are there any songs on there that kind of gave you some trouble when you were working on them? Mm, there was a couple, like two of the instrumentals. I didn't necessarily know if they were going to be better suited as instrumentals or to try to get a feature on it. I showed it to a few people, like talked about some ideas, but everything kind of just led back to like, I don't think this is going to work. Let's just leave this and let's work on something else. Yeah. And then I had done a song that needed a, a horn section. And this guy from LA that I knew through Chesky, Danny Levins, I sent him the record and I was like, Hey, we need a horn part for this yada 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 he sends me back a couple sessions and he happened to play on those songs that I didn't know whether they were going to be instrumental or not he kind of yeah. just surprised me yeah. and I was just like whoa like <laughs> he just crushed the horn sections yeah. I'm like this is definitely instrumental now you know it just it just needed one more little thing there was a there's a couple songs like that they just needed that last little like layer on the chorus mm -hmm. or you know extra extra bass or yeah. whatever it needed um and this album happened very organically, like like when we were talking about Factoria, like it was planned. I needed to know where the the start was, where the end was, like how it was going to build. This one mm -hmm. I was like, this song works with this one. I'm like feeling this vibe, this mood. It was kind of more of a feeling and organic yeah. thing. So how how long do you think the process was for Cleveland Teeth? It seems like probably some of the songs are slightly over a year old, but I yeah. think it's around a year. Okay. Nice. Because hmm. I had a couple of the beats when I was on that tour with Chesky and Astronautilus. I guess so that's a year and a half. 
because I'm always working on stuff. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't work for one album. Like, even if I'm working with the same artist, there are things. Like, me and Chesky did an EP, and it's coming out in June. Nice. But our song that's on Wisdom Teeth and was the lead single with the video um, called The Gospel was actually the first song we did for the EP, but yeah. it didn't work on the EP, um, so we had to, you know, double back. Double back yeah. Just whatever's gonna make the best product, I yeah, think. Definitely. And we're all, you know, once you start to get to know the people you're collaborating with, I think that's the end goal. So mm -hmm. it's like, uh, obviously this song is good and I would want it on my project, but it fits better here, so you know, you just ultimately gotta do that. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself still progressing like learning new things as you're going from definitely yeah. huge 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 amount of because i think i you know i'm self-taught i never did like a i never went to school and there isn't a huge community in saskatoon right doing what i'm doing so it gets to the point where you know you and and especially early on you couldn't just google like how to bounce or like what bit rate or something yeah. you know like why is this yeah. messing up you yeah. know now you can just google it and there's yeah. a video on how to fix it which is great yeah but uh, i had to do a lot of trial and error and so i think you know to this day a lot of that a lot of my style probably has to do with that like yeah. you know just kind of like some things maybe are a little janky or a little off but i like do that on purpose you know like yeah. I, I kind of learned the hard way. Um, I'm sure there's things I could be doing better, and and that's why I just continue to try to like. If I'm in the studio with someone that knows more, I'm asking them. Like I'm not. I'm in no way think I'm superior. Like I'm just. I'm. I'm trying to just. You know. All. You know. It always comes back to making the best product. That's a super good attitude to have. Like never, never stop learning. Keep going. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, not, not not having a classical background probably gives you like so much better style or for hip hop yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so I can just loop that two bar and not feel or four bar or whatever, and not feel guilty because it's like so simple. I'm just like, yeah, that's hot. Let's yeah. do that. No, play it again. No, play it again. No, yeah. play it again. No, play it again. I think, but there is something to be said about like the simpleness of hip hop. And yeah, how it yeah. is. So yeah, and that's and that's kind of uh, that's that's kind of I really look at that. I I love the simplicity of it mm -hmm. and the repetitive. It's. You know, it's not as, it's not like, mm, 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 but it, 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 I don't know. Hip hop is cool, you know, because it can go so many different ways. It's such a wide genre. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially now you got, well, Chesky folk, folk punk rap exists and it's dope. So, you know, people are just constantly pushing boundaries is great. And obviously if you're a super risk taker, Chances are every single thing you try isn't going to get knocked out the park. So there's just different different types of artists, you know. Mm -hmm. And and who knows, like maybe something new that you've tried that you've never heard before. Maybe somebody's like, I'm down with that. And yeah, they're like, oh shit, yeah. That's and cool. then that becomes your whole thing. Like yeah. you might get, you might mainly start doing that. Yeah, that's yeah, it's it's wild. Um, it's like, uh, what was I gonna say? No problem, man. I'm just gonna have another one of these guys while you think um, about the next question. This always happens to me. Wisdom Teeth, yeah. March 24th, Saskatoon. Come to the party. Yes. Amigos, amigos. It's gonna be tight. It's gonna be tight, and uh, definitely gonna be playing Night Driver. You yeah. know, it's gonna get hype. Um, yeah. yeah. Back to like how you said you've been in the studio with people who you think might have known more. Uh, more about you and you ask questions you can you name any of those like more prolific 
producers that you've kind of worked with? And well, the first time anything like, I mean, I had been working with people that had done a lot more with their career than me, but in 2009, I worked on this record called Owl Hours with AWOL One, and I, we were out in LA at the end of a tour, me and Def3, who's from Regina, yeah. he's a Saskatchewan MC. We had opened up for a uh, tour with Mike and Nine, and I had produced a record for him. So, like, I was DJing for Def3, opening up, and then I was also headlining with Mike and Nine. And uh, we had, like, a week after, so we just decided to stay in L.A. and stay at AWOLs, or I think we were staying at his house, or Mike's, whatever, it doesn't matter, but we were finishing up this record, me and AWOL, and our last guest appearance was Exhibit. Oh, yeah, no way. And so... I didn't know if it was going to happen. We went over to his house, me, AWOL, him, and then uh, Def3 was there, and one of AWOL's homies was there as well, and we go in the studio, and we're, like, playing my beats and exhibits freestyling on them, and, like, I was just like, whoa, this is, like, this is, like, blowing my mind. And then, you know, we're, like, in his own personal house. Like, you can see a picture of him on that mantle. It's, like, him, Snoop, Dre, and Eminem, and then, like, there's pictures, like, his kids with Snoop, you know, like they're all like such good. I was just like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> so then he's like, never mind, guys, we're not going to record it uh, at my house. I was like, oh shit, you know, like what's going to go on right now? He's like, follow me. So they want him get go in the garage, get in his car. He pulls out. Me and Def3 follow them. We end up going to the same studio where like Dre was recording in uh, in Hollywood. Dre wasn't there, but it was, uh, we rolled in and who was it? It was like Scoop DeVille, oh, Ryu nice. from Styles and Beyond, some crazy engineer who like, and the studio was just beautiful. Yeah. And I was just like, whoa, this is so nuts. <laughs> and so we, you know, we went and got a bottle from the, uh, the grocery store and, you know, we're like, we we're like smoking, we we're having fun. It was a studio session. It was like high class and, yeah. uh. Then they loaded my beat up and they started like rapping to it. But I was just watching the guy and he was just like, you know, compressing the beat and like sending it here and like normalizing. I was like, whoa. Yeah. So when I got the session back, I just kind of like looked at what he did and I was like, you know, I, you just, you even learn a lot just, especially because he was doing it to my track. So I was like, okay, so this makes it definitely sound better. So it, you know, it was very humbling. Like I was there as the producer, but at the same time, you know, there was a lot more people that were advanced in the room yeah. and I was younger, you know, it's 2009. Like I wasn't that young, but you know, uh, it was a great, it was just such a, it was such a huge experience. And, you know, I just got to thank and shout a wall out for it. You know, he's the one who knew exhibit. It was him that made everything yeah. happen. I was just thankful that I was able to be there. Yeah. Tag along. And, but, but it was you it, to freestyle over your tracks. So. And he recorded on my track. Oh. Like we have a song out. No way. That's and, uh, and we, we did uh, about, Six months later, we did the release party in L.A., yeah. and Exhibit came, and I was DJing, and he came and did the song live, and I was, yeah, I was, like, What's doing backups. Called? It's called Brains Out. Brains Exhibit out. Brains Out. I'm sick and tired of being stuck in the same route. I got a date with myself, and I'm blowing my brains out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's the hook, yeah, they kill it. It's hard. That's crazy. Yeah, so that was, and that was cool, because it's, like, the Enver Hampton, he's from Saskatoon, he played the bass on it, yeah. and that was one of the first times I started kind of experiencing like uh, not experiencing uh experimenting with uh session players so yeah. it was it was cool it's like this baseline 
like me and Enver from Saskatoon did it and like exhibits on it. I don't know. It, it was a really cool time in my life. Yeah. 2009, I learned a lot that year. Yeah. And that was, that was a huge experience for me, like to this day, you know. And it was cool because like exhibits come through Saskatoon and like yeah. AWOL's like exhibits in town. Here's his number. So I like text him. He like gets me in. I go hang out with them. It's like, it's cool. You know, I like, awesome. I barely know him, but I, you know, see, you know, we've hung out probably like a few times since. So it's kind of cool. That's That's really yeah. It was just, it was, it was, it was cool too, to be like, go to a big studio like that yeah, and just yeah, be able to sure. be like, Oh, my track got tracked in here too. Like this is, you know, yeah. not necessarily on the level, but in a way. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. it went down. It yeah. fucking happened. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, do you do you find yourself getting a lot of uh, analog instruments still, like people coming in playing stuff? Like yeah, that? definitely. Um, my studio, I have an old Yamaha organ. I got my uh, sampler sequencer, and my my buddy Levy plays violin and guitar on a lot of tracks. Enver, he didn't play. Levy the portals does the a lot of strings and guitar on wisdom teeth okay. enver plays a lot of bass on on um from 2009 to like 2017 on like a lot of the tracks yeah. i've collabed with like people over the internet where they'll play like moog or like vocal harmonies or you oh, know my geez. buddy gregory pepper from guelph will do stuff like you know we'll do we'll do more like satellite like emailing stuff like i mentioned danny levins did horns so I'm very open to, especially if I do a track that has more synth, being able to have an analog layer like really maybe makes it sound more like a sample. Okay, yeah. And that's kind of what I'm, I've been going for that a lot lately. So even if I have like a clean synth line, maybe I'll like run it through a pedal and then maybe even put some more static or like ambient noise up yeah. on it just to make it sound a little bit more dirty. Maybe I yeah. dug in the crate for <laughs> it. I don't know. You know, just give it that texture. Yeah. Well, that's very. What are we sitting at? It's very. Shows a very good ear that you can just like add those minuscule effects because you want a sound to like have a certain almost like look or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like adding like a grain texture to photos and stuff. Like yeah, that. exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, photos, videos, like that stuff. You know, it's similar. You know, you're on the grid, the contrast, the like yeah. amount. It's like treble or like you know light frequency. You know, it's very it's very similar. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Jeez, yeah, anything else that you're looking to like plug today? I mean, you got you know, show. yeah. I would say, yeah, I would say definitely the 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 Saskatoon show on the 24th will be a big one for me. I don't know how many. Like, I might take a break from live shows for a few months at least. After that, um, yeah, copies get, for sale there. Yeah, I'll have vinyl CDs. I'll have T-shirts. We'll be doing some of the material live check out like check out wisdom teeth you know it has it has a really good uh it has a good vibe and like where i'm at now artistically so you can really get up to date you check it out i mean if you have a spotify account check it out apple music title you know whatever you know it's everywhere like if you want to support it you can go to my band camp uh definitely factor chandelier you know for those people that don't know anything about my music check this out and if you like this check factoria you know maybe mm-hmm. do the reverse timeline like check the newest and go back yeah and yeah i'm just gonna steady be making more stuff much right. love to you guys for having me oh yeah no thanks for coming man. Was good to yeah have man you guys yeah 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 shout out you know these these guys are doing it they're making it happen in saskatoon i like it i like it always 
Always Sask. Yes, Reppin'. definitely. For sure. The Prairies. This has been the Comrade Podcast. Thanks for hanging out. Cheers. Much love. Thank you. Cheers.